0: Good morning, welcome back to this Tuesday edition as we take a few minutes out of our day in God's Word. Glad you're with us, thanks for joining us. Um, We're gonna continue in the book of Matthew, in Matthew chapter two, as we're walking through the life of Christ from Matthew's gospel. And uh, we've been walking through what many would call the Christmas story. And now we're talking a little bit, we know that the wise men just came and now Jesus is two years old, approximately. And uh, we're gonna see a little bit of uh, really how God continued to protect His Son and Joseph and Mary in this process, and what we're going to, what I want us to see, kind of introductory thought, is I want us to look and ask this question: How often have you found it that you know that God is leading you to do something, or you're trying to find out what the next step um, for your life is, and and you say I. What do I do? How do I know what the next step? What do I do in this process? And you kind of feel like you're at a stop sign, or you kind of feel like, I, I know there's more, I know there's a movement, I know there's a change, a new season, whatever it would be, but yet in this process, I, I feel like I'm, 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 I'm listing information, like I wish I just had a little more information. And so we're going to look a little bit of how Joseph, as a godly man, was willing to help, through God's direction, lead his family— and yes, the baby Jesus at this point in protection and how God, how his obedience was used to fulfill prophecy and to take care of the Messiah. So we look in Matthew chapter 2, verse 13. We're going to cover a bit of a longer section because everything here really comes under the same context and the same application. So Matthew chapter 2, verse 13. Now when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise, take the young child and his mother, flee to Egypt, And stay there till I bring you word, for Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. When he arose, he took the young child and his mother by night and departed for Egypt, and was there until the death of Herod, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Out of Egypt I called my son. He's speaking of the prophet Hosea at that point. And what we're referencing here, so uh, we know that uh, Herod, we talked about Herod wanted to go and destroy, he thought the wise men would come back, say where Jesus was, and all he would have done is just killed the one baby. Uh, Well, it came to the point, we'll read in a second, how Herod's desire was he was just going to kill everybody. Well, God had said to the wise men, you need to leave a different direction. Again, you see God beginning to work, speaking to them in protection of his son. And then he comes back and he tells... Joseph, you need to get out. You need to tell us what's going to happen. You need to go to Egypt. And there are several things you look at him going to Egypt. Obviously, one, protection of Jesus and the family. Um, two, uh, it was ultimate fulfillment of prophecy. And so there's a lot going on. You can go all the way back to Luke 2 where it talks about they had to go to Bethlehem due to a tax season. And how what we can get from this is God can use even the circumstances of life that seem rough, that seem unfair, that seem confusing, he can still do that to make his point. He can still do that to make his will be done. God, God needed, the prophecy was that Jesus would be born in Bethlehem. The tax season was a way to get Jesus there, but to get Mary, Mary there so that Jesus could be born. Same thing here. The prophecy was he would come out of Egypt. We'll talk a little bit how he was in Nazarene, all these different things. And he's using a cultural circumstance to put his prophecy to make sure it happens, will to be done. And one of the great principles we can pull from this is the fact that sometimes we look at the culture, we look at our circumstance, we look at things that make no sense, and we say, obviously God's not doing enough, or obviously I'm missing something, and we we feel like we got to take matters into our own hand, or God has not given us enough instruction, because look at our circumstances. Obviously God's not doing something. When it could be just the exact opposite, God is not surprised by the circumstances we find ourselves in. And some of them were not God's plan. Some of them were not, you know, I just, I heard of a scenario from a completely different disconnect from our church um, where an inappropriate relation took place and it's going to hurt a lot of people. And when you look at that, I think, you know, that wasn't God's plan. But somehow God can use what Satan intends for bad for good. So even in circumstances we say it makes no sense, it seems harsh, why would this happen? You can look at the circumstances, even in the times that God's, you know, was kind of maybe Satan won because maybe we fell in sin or something like that happened. God can still use that for good. So even in your circumstance, you say it's not fair, it's rough, I don't know what's going on. God can use that and will use that if you allow him to. And so Joseph, who appears, was going to stay. He was fine. He had a house. They said, get out. He's leaving. And I'm telling you, moving's never easy. He just did it. knowing it's never easy. So getting out to Egypt was something of obedience. Well, let's continue to look and says uh, what would happen. So verse 16, then Herod, when he saw that he was deceived by the wise men, was exceedingly angry. And he set forth and put to death all the male children who were in Bethlehem and in all its districts for two years old and under, according to the time which he had determined from the wise men. It then was fulfilled that was spoken by Jeremiah the prophet, saying, A voice was heard in Rama, lamentation, weeping, and great mourning. Rachel weeping for her children, refusing to be comforted because they are no more. So again, you see prophecy fulfilled. And again, when you see prophecy fulfilled, it's not necessarily that God established, hey, this is going to happen. I'm going to force this to happen. What he was saying is he knew that this evil King Herod, this evil governor was going to do this. And so he's not necessarily, a lot of times we see bad things. People say, well, it was God's will. He said it might happen. No, he's going to say, listen, human nature is sometimes very evil. So to help you understand to see that I know what's going on, I will let you know sometimes what people and human nature will do, and it's just a reminder that God is aware of what's going on. And so let's continue down to verse nineteen. Now, when Herod was dead, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared a dream and to jo- uh, appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, "Arise, take the young child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel, for those who sought the young child's life are dead." Then he arose, took the young child and his mother, and came into the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning over Judah instead of of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. And being warned of God in a dream, he turned aside into the region of Galilee and came and dwelt in a city called Nazareth, that it might be fulfilled which is spoken by the prophets. He shall be called a Nazarene. So he follows God's command back to Israel. And then there he's got some nervousness. God understands that sends him back to, to Nazareth. And so you see all of this, comes as a fulfillment. Now, when I say fulfillment, God knew these things would happen. And so he said, one of the ways you will know this is the Messiah is as we work around the circumstance of life, you're going to see these things are going to happen. And, and it was the intriguing part was those things were stated in the Old Testament. So you can again a reminder that this was, this, this connection between the Old, the fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy and the New Past Testament gives us an understanding of who Jesus was. So we come to this end. Let's look at some principle. We ask the question, what do you do in circumstance? to where you, know, you feel like or you're wondering what's the next step. And I do believe there are seasons in life, uh, you know, Solomon talks about that in the book of Ecclesiastes, uh, in every time there's a season a new life under heaven. And by the way, seasons of life are intriguing because there are some really great parts of every season, really bad parts of every season. I just moved from Pennsylvania where one of the seasons was a very, was cold winter. We moved here, there's not a whole, in California, not a whole lot of cold winters, but you know what I hear a lot about is the extremely hot summer. The point is this, every season has its good and has its bad, uh, you know, you You've got the winters if you like that. You know, it's 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 nice, it's refreshing, it's not as hot, but it can be cold. The summer is nice, the sun's out, but then again, it can be hot. And if all you do is focus on the negative of the season, then you're going to find something negative, because there can be a negative in every season of life you are in. And if that's what you focus on, you're going to be overwhelmed, you're going to be discouraged and a bit angry for most of your life because you're focusing on the negative, and that's what Satan wants you to do. So there is seasons, and there's a good and a bad, and don't just because the idea is, well, if I'm in the of God's will, everything's great. There is nowhere in Scripture that states that. In fact, and sometimes it's the opposite of Satan wants to fight you. So don't get this idea that if all of a sudden things aren't going the way you thought they would, that this is, you know, God's will falling apart. It might be exactly God's will, because remember, it's his plan unfolding, not mine. So what do I do in the circumstance where I maybe feel like I'm at a stop sign? I think what we need to do is one, you know, there is God's perfect will for our life, unique to me, and then there's God's general will, which is to everyone. So if I'm still waiting for God to give me the next step in his specific will, for my life. What do I do? Stay in his general. Be in church. Be in the word of God. Serve who you can. Do what God, whatever God asks you to do last, keep doing until God has revealed the next step. Even to the good days and the bad days, stay. Keep doing it because it's there that God's going to reveal the next step. If, you's, if you're not living in the general obedience, I'm not going to go to church. I'm not going to do this. I'm just going to stay away until God tells me what to do. He will not tell you what to do. I must be in obedience to God's immediate simple will before he can give me more. He can't tell me to go serve and do this until I'm doing what I'm supposed to right here. So in that stop sign, remain faithful. In that stop sign, uh, remain content. Don't get lazy. Don't say, well, I'll just sit back and do nothing until God tells me. Be faithful where God has you, be content, and do the best you can where God has you at that point. Grow and flourish where you can in that area. That's where you will be ready for whatever God has for you next. And when he tells you, go in obedience and wait and see how he will accomplish his will in your life. Thanks again for joining us on this Tuesday morning. Give me a chance to be part of your day. Greatly appreciate it. Hope you stick with us as we continue Monday to Friday uh, through the book of Matthew and learn about the life of Christ and the great principles we can get from it. Thanks again for joining us today. We look forward to seeing you again tomorrow.